In 2001, Bob Record was the president of the Southern Baptist North American Mission Board. Uh, I believe uh, at that time, and it still is today, the largest mission sending agency in the world. He was invited to speak at the New Orleans Baptist Seminary commencement exercises. And this is what he told his graduating class. He told them of how his commitment to ministry almost cost him his marriage and family. You see, when Bob was 29 years old at that time, he and his wife Cheryl had a four-year-old son and a newborn. Bob, at that time, was a bivocational pastor working as a businessman and as a national director of training for Evangelism Explosion. His business and pastoral work had him away from home for 33 weeks out of the year. Returning home from a trip one day, he came into the door and put down his suitcase, and he was excited to see his wife to tell him about what God was doing in this recent trip. When he saw his wife, he excitedly told her, Do you want to hear what God has done? Cheryl looked at him and said, No, and then began to cry. She told him, Bob, you used to be an asset to this family. And now all you are is an interruption to this family whenever you come home. Cheryl went on to say that if things didn't change, she and the children would leave him. That episode shocked Bob Record to rethink his life and to set up some boundaries to protect his marriage, to protect his family, and to make the changes needed. Not only do pastors need boundaries, not only do Christian workers need boundaries in their life, all of us need boundaries, especially in relationships. And I share this story with you this morning because even good intentions... Even the good intentions of ministry, working for Jesus, without boundaries, can destroy the very lives and the very people we care about. God has given us a great guidebook to romance, to love, to marriage, to intimacy, to life after marriage in the book of Song of Solomon. And as we mentioned last week, this book traces the relationship of Solomon... And, and a woman, from their initial attraction to courtship, to their dating life, to marriage, to the marriage night, to life after marriage, to their first fight, and how they resolve that conflict. And as we peer into this couple, we look last week at attractions And how we told you that there are two levels of attraction, both physical and spiritual. The spiritual being more important than the physical, and yet it is often the physical that initially attracts us to someone else. Then I shared with us three guide rails, three guardrails for how we can keep attraction in check. And so this week we turn to again look at the relationship between these two people. And to see the boundaries that Solomon and this woman have set in place to ensure that the relationship is God-honoring. So let's take a look this morning at the boundaries we need to set. If you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me to the book of Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 12, to chapter 2, verse 7. As we continue our sermon series study on this thing called love. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 12, to chapter 2, verse 7. It is the last book of the wisdom literature, following Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and then we get to the Song of Solomon. As we look into the relationship between Solomon and this woman, we are given a glimpse into their heart condition. We begin by looking at the feelings of this woman in verses 12 to 14 of chapter 1 and how she views Solomon. It is as if we have 
a free reading into her personal diary. Look what she confesses in verse 12 to verse 14. While the king is at his table, my spikenard, my perfume, sends forth its fragrance. A bundle of myrrh is my beloved to me that lies all night between my breasts. My beloved is to me a cluster of henna blooms in the vineyards of Engedi. What is this woman trying to say? She was saying that Solomon was constantly in her thoughts. Just as the smell of myrrh was always surrounding her, she was always reminded of Solomon. How does that work? You see, they had perfumes back in those days, just like they have it today. But unfortunately, the spray-on mechanism was not yet invented. So what did they have to do? Did they have to rub the spices and the leaves on their body to get the smell? No. What happens is that they would put these perfume spice or the resin of the smell into a little pouch. And then they would wear this pouch as a, a necklace. That's why the Bible says in verse 13, this, this bundle of myrrh, myrrh was her scent. That was her favorite perfume. It hung as a necklace between her breasts. And so as she smells this myrrh, she thinks of Solomon. And as this fragrance was always with her, so also her thought of Solomon. She was basically saying, my mind is enamored with you. My mind is filled with your image. I constantly think about you. Why? Verse 14. Because Solomon stood out amongst all men. She describes him as a henna blossom in En Gedi, in the vineyards of En Gedi, which is in the middle of a desert. You see, in southern Israel, near the Negev, beside the Dead Sea, is this oasis, this, this island of greenery. And Gedi was an oasis, and so there was hidden springs and lots of waterfalls. And if, if you ever go to Israel, you'll see that amidst the desert, around the Dead Sea, you see this patch of green. And if you remember your Old Testament, this is where David ran to hide from Saul as Saul was trying to kill him in En Gedi. And there David could survive because it was an oasis. There was water and he could be sustained. This woman saw Solomon as a white blossom in this oasis of En Gedi, surrounded by the desert. He stood out. He was one of a kind. There was a growing fondness of this woman towards Solomon and of Solomon towards this woman, as we're going to see a little bit later. They were past the awkward stage of their relationship. There was a growing comfortability, a, a growing familiarity, and it's, it's wonderful when you're dating someone. That's why it's very difficult to break off a relationship when you become very comfortable with someone. I'm so glad that I'm not in the dating scene today. Those were awkward, awkward moments, especially uh, those first few weeks of any relationship. And if you remember those times, uh, you lay awake thinking and rethinking, will they like me? Will they not like me? How should I approach them? So on and so forth. If I can, I share with you the first time I wanted to ask a girl out on a date, and it wasn't Cindy, just being honest, um, and it was to attend an event. I had, I had played out in my mind how it would and should work out. I would walk up to her, I would ask her, she would fall in love with me, and she would immediately say yes. Well, it didn't work that way. You see, I was very, very nervous. So nervous, in fact, that uh, when I saw her and was going uh, to ask her out, building up the confidence, I ran up to her, mumbled something. I forgot what I mumbled. I was so nervous. 
And if you can believe this, before I waited for her reply, I ran off. I said, oh, no, I've messed this up. I didn't even wait for an answer. That night at home, I received a phone call. I picked it up, and it was her. And she said, yes. I said, yes, what? She said, yes, to the question you asked me. I felt so embarrassed. But as the relationship progresses in any relationship, the awkwardness wanes, it goes away. And there's a growing fondness. There's a growing security. And that's why it is imperative if you are single or you are just beginning a relationship, you need to set up boundaries to protect your relationship. Even if you are married, even more if you are married, because the both of you are so familiar and perhaps at times even too trusting, you must set up boundaries to protect your marriage. By the way, let me recommend to you a book. I know that some of you like to read. There's a wonderful book you can get at the local bookstore. It's by Dr. Cloud in Townsend. It's a book entitled simply Boundaries. And more than talking about relationship, it talks about the importance of boundaries from a biblical foundational perspective. Boundaries between parents and children. Boundaries between friends and colleagues. There are so many unhealthy relationships today, all needing boundaries to be set. Now let's take a look at three boundaries that this couple in the Song of Solomon sets to make sure that their relationship is Christ-honoring. If you're taking notes, let me give you the first boundary, number one. The first boundary is the boundary of respect and honor. A boundary of respect and honor. Let's see where we can find this in their relationship. Verse 15. Solomon says to her, Behold, you are fair, my love. Behold, you are fair. You have dove's eyes. Solomon has a penchant for describing this woman using animal analogies. Last week it was the horse. This week it is a dove. I guess it's improving. I don't know. But Solomon and this woman are on a date. And what you have pictured in verse 15 is that Solomon is looking at her, studying her face. He describes how beautiful she is. What kind and beautiful eyes she has. He's paying attention to her. He's making eye contact. He's giving his full attention. He is paying respect to her. He has set for her the boundary of respect. I will honor you. When we spend time together, if there was a phone back in the ancient world, I'm putting my phone down. I'm not checking it. And I'm looking and studying your face. I had a problem with this. And I still have a problem with this that I'm working on. When Cindy and I go on a date, my problem was I, 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 like, or I, I like to people watch. I like to look around. I like to see if I know anyone. I like to observe people. And so if it's just the two of us, unfortunately, I will not be looking at her. I'm looking around her. And that's why in the Asian culture, uh, the, uh, the important seat in a table, the tua ui, the big seat, is the seat facing the door, facing the public, facing everyone to be seen and to see others. The lesser seat in the Asian culture is that which faces the wall. And Cindy would comment to me all the time, who are you looking at? What are you looking at? Do you know them? I don't know, but let's see if I know them, I would tell her. And she would be talking to me, and I'd still be looking around and looking at the television of their where they're around the restaurant. 
And I remember one day in her frustration, I think she just, just had enough of this. She grabbed me by the face. She said, look at me. Stop looking around. And so now if you see us on a date somewhere, my seat is the one facing the wall so that I'm looking at her. A boundary of respect is what has been set up. Married couples, you are not exempt from this. Try this experiment if you can. Take your spouse on a date and hold their hands and see if you can look straight in their eyes as you once did for at least five minutes. At least without laughing or giggling or thinking this is the dumbest thing I've ever done. Try it. It may rekindle some passion. Because of Solomon's compliment, look how this woman replies, verse 16 and 17. Behold, you are handsome, my beloved. Yes, pleasant. Also, our bed is green. The beams of our house are cedar and our rafters of fir. Now, you may read this and take it at face value and say, "Uh uh-oh. They're in bed. This is very inappropriate to a couple who is not yet married. But this is Hebrew poetry. And what they are is they are outside at a park. They're having a picnic. Their bed is green. They are on green grass. The beams, there's a canopy of trees, of cedar and fir. It's a public place, but it is a very romantic setting to be sure. The cedar and the fir are forming a canopy. And what I see here is that they are not dating in secret. It is in public for view of all. Romans chapter 13 verse 14 says this. Make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Avoid putting yourself into a situation where you will fall into the lust of the flesh, where you will allow lust to take over. When you date, date out in full view of people. I know it's unfortunately common nowadays to travel alone together when you are yet unmarried, to even share the same hotel room And they say to me, Pastor, it's okay. We're sleeping in separate beds. But that's a recipe for disaster. Why put yourself into a place of temptation? But not only that, you have not drawn the boundary of honor. You do not honor the person you are dating Because you put him and her into a situation where people will think ill. They will begin to gossip. They will begin to talk. They will begin to wonder. And both of you will lose your credibility. You have to ask yourself, is what I do honorable? And does it respect and uphold the reputation of of the other person. If I really love that person, I will make sure that their honor and their reputation is held to the highest of standards and that is not an old-fashioned thinking. That means you do not put pressure on someone to do something they don't want to do. That is both for the singles and the married couples. When you honor a spouse, when you respect them, you don't force them to do something they don't want to do. You don't pressure them. You honor them as a helpmate, as a co-laborer in Christ, as one who compliments you. You have to ask yourself the question, do I feel pressure from the person who I'm dating or married to to do things that are not right before God? Is the person asking me to go to places or engage in activities of which we are not spiritually comfortable with? 
If you ever feel pressure to engage in acts that you believe are wrong or what the Bible says is wrong, then take note and break off that relationship because they have not drawn the boundary of honor and respect. You see, if someone begins a statement with, if you love me, that conditional if shows that that person does not really love you. They just want something from you. Because if someone's going to put a condition on love, then they don't love you because love is unconditional. If a sentence begins with, if you love me, then they don't love you because they are putting a condition on something that is supposed to be unconditional. And that's both for the singles and the married couples. If the person you are dating does not fear the standards that God has set and they don't honor or respect your convictions, then get out of that relationship. Because believe me, when you get married, they will also not obey God. Put on a boundary of respect and honor. Hold yourself to a high standard. If you are worthy of someone dating you, then can I say make them work for it. Make sure they respect your convictions. The second boundary of a relationship is the boundary number two of safety and security. The boundary of safety and security. Let's see where we find this. Chapter 2, verse 1. This is the woman speaking. I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. What you see here is a change in attitude. She describes herself here in chapter 2, verse 1, as as a beautiful flower in the meadow. She describes herself as a beautiful lily of the valleys. Now remember how she described herself as we discussed last week in chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. She was worried that her skin was too dark of color because she was working in the hot sun all day. Now her attitude completely changes in chapter 2. She says, I am the rose of Sharon. I am the lily of the valleys. I compare myself to beautiful flowers. And what's the difference? What's happened between chapter 1 and chapter 2 for her to have this change of mind? Is because in between how she describes herself, Solomon has been lavishing praise upon her. Solomon has been encouraging her. Solomon has been praising her. And he continues doing that in verse 2 of chapter 2. Like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Solomon is listening to her. Note how he takes what she says about herself being a lily of the valley. And he says to her, you're not only a lily of the valley. You are a lily among the thorns. You are the most outstanding woman In a group of all women. Wow. That girl's heart must have swooned. Ladies, you know that. When a man says to you and means it sincerely, I only have eyes for you. You are the most beautiful woman. The most beautiful woman amongst all women. It will make you feel so secure. It will make you feel protected, safe. That he doesn't have wandering eyes, that his eyes are for you. And men, that is why oftentimes women ask very strange questions of you. Like, how does this dress look on me? Or am I fat? Those are questions of security. Because God has made women very emotional, generally. 
And because of that, they often feel very insecure. And so men, you must assure them. Whenever your wife asks you how she looks in a dress, your answer should always be wonderful. That is the right answer. Even if she tells you, tell me honestly, your answer should still be, yes, it is beautiful. Because honestly, that is how you should see her in any dress. Now, if she really wants an honest assessment about fashion, she has already asked her girlfriends. I have no idea, but I know many women do. When my wife asks me the question, do you think I am fat? Men, that is a trick question. Do not answer it. Pretend not to hear it. You cannot win by answering. If you say, no, no, you're not fat. She knows that you are lying. And she'll even say that to you. If you unfortunately say something to the effect of, well, honey, you've kind of gained a few pounds over the Christmas holiday. You've just dug yourself a hole. She will think that you are very insensitive and much more, she will feel insecure. So women, stop asking that question. There is a scale for you. It will tell you the answer to your question. Enough said. When my wife asks me that question, I just simply tell her, Honey, as long as you're not as big as me, you are beautiful in my eyes. The stress is that Solomon makes her feel safe. He makes her feel secured. That is the boundary of safety and secure that should bound and bind all relationships. Look at verse 3. Like an apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down in his shade with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. After being very secured by this man who is courting her, this woman replies to Solomon that he is like an apple found in the trees of the woods. Now, you've got to understand that you do not find apples in the forest. So if you find an apple in the forest, wow, that is rare. It is special. It is the delight. She's saying to Solomon, you are a delight. You are a rarity amongst all other men. This woman says to him, I feel completely safe. I sat down in his shade with great delight. This is not the picture of where you tell your husband, hey, stand over me to block the sun. All right. That's not the idea. Solomon is not a big man. But this is a, a figure of this woman saying that I feel so secure because he is protecting me. I'm sitting down in his shade. She is entirely at ease with Solomon. She experiences no threatening or unsettling moments in his presence she is at rest. Men, whether you are married or single, show your wife or your girlfriend that she can feel very safe and secure, that you can take care of them. And so we need to bring back a bit of chivalry back today in the 21st century, a bit of common etiquette. Because women need to see through action that your word love actually means something. And so you do so by treating her as that singular rose, as that most precious person in your life. I have a bad habit and I'm still trying to correct it. Of not walking too far ahead, but, but slowing down and walking with her to show her protection. 
common etiquette says that the man walks on the outside of a sidewalk, if there is one, closer to the car. A woman opens the door. A man opens the door for the woman and other such chivalrous act, even in the days of the automatic car door opener. Make sure she knows through action just how much you are protecting her, creating the boundary of safety and security. Now, women, never tear down the reputation of the men you are dating or are married to, especially in the presence of others. You see, men guard their reputation Somehow God has wired men to be very conscientious of what others think about them. And nothing will destroy a man more than if you tear them down publicly. So build them up. When they do something nice, thank them for their kindness to you. But don't make it awkward. If they do something nice for you after this sermon, don't say something like, Oh, I guess you were listening to pastor today. It just makes them feel very awkward. Don't say things like, well, it's about time. Or compare them with, I wish you were like that other guy. Look how he treats his wife. Appreciate what he does on your behalf. Treat him as the only apple in the forest. Verse 3. Look how she continues to describe that relationship she has with Solomon, verse 4. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. He has brought me under his protection. He has brought me into his banquet hall, into the very center of his household. The banqueting table is a large house occupied perhaps by a large table, but it's often filled with lots of people. And here's the imagery that... Solomon was not ashamed at all to let the entire world, his guests at the banqueting hall, to know that he was dating this young woman. And his banner over me was love. It shows that he was not ashamed of her. There was an identity. You see, in the Middle Ages or back in those times, a banner was a mark of loyalty. And in war, he was to identify a particular side for the troops. And, and it is a, a mark of honor to be the bannerman, the, the one who carries the banner and the, the standard. And here this woman gives us a beautiful picture that as she walks into this banquet at a hall, there is perhaps one or two people, I don't know, with a banner that says, Solomon's, Solomon's. She knew he had chosen to identify with her and to have her identified with him. And as she walks into this grand chamber, all eyes are upon her. But all the eyes that look at her know that she is Solomon's and he is with her. She can have the security of knowing that his eyes are not wandering for another and vice versa. What a beautiful picture of creating that boundary of safety and security. Do you have that in your marriage relationship? Do you have such trust over your spouse that you know that they are looking upon you with love, identifying that that is my wife, that is my husband, and not looking around thinking, oh, there's someone better. There is security when you set up that boundary. Do you have that in your dating relationship where you know that that guy is not womanizing when you're not, when you're not with him? Or the reputation of that girl of being someone who is easy and flirtatious? I'm going to be doing a wedding this afternoon, and I love weddings because uh, you, you see that. You see this played out in the wedding. When that bride comes in, all eyes are on her. That's why we ask everyone to stand up. That is a tradition. And it is 
the tradition that the guest's eyes follows the bride as she walks in. But when the bride walks in, where is she supposed to look? Or where does she usually look? At least in all the weddings I've done, as she walks in, she's looking at the groom. Now, I've yet to have it happen where she is looking at one of the groomsmen. Because if that happens, then we're not doing the wedding. And we make it easier for her to find the groom. That's why we put the groom right here in the center. And as is usually the case, even though everyone's looking at the bride, everyone knows that that bride is for the groom. And everyone knows that that groom is for the bride. It is a picture of security and safety, and that is the boundary that you are to create. We do it through action. We do it through words. As I think about the poetic and sweet words of Solomon and this woman, we use sweet words as well. Couples who are often deeply in love or are in a good marriage have terms of endearment for their spouses. I call my wife honey or sweetie. It's very hard to be angry at them when you are calling them by those terms of endearment. Sweetie, I'm angry at you. That doesn't sound right. That's why we have those terms of endearment. Now, can I just say, this is just my own personal conviction. This is not something you've got to stress over. But you know what? I find it very awkward. I find it a bit odd. When husbands call their wives mommy or mama, and some wives call their husband papa or daddy. That is what your kids call their parents. Not what spouses should be calling each other. Unless you have such a big family, you need to identify certain people. That's papa. That's mama. That just seems odd to me. I don't know. But I've heard it. But regardless of your term of endearment... Those terms build with it as the vocabulary and the voices of Solomon and this woman show that they are protecting one another. There's a boundary of safety and security because words do matter. Do not criticize or belittle one another. It can quickly destroy those feelings of endearment. If the person you are dating is critical sees you as inferior, insignificant, belittles the faith that you have and that relationship. Because criticism and abandonment does not decrease with marriage. It likely increases. And so if you're fighting throughout your dating relationship, you're going to fight even more when you get married. Married couples, do not yell or correct your spouse in, in front of others even in front of your children. Don't demean them. Build the boundaries of safety and security to protect one another so that each couple can trust well, knowing that they don't have to worry that they'll be spoken ill of behind their backs. My no good husband, my no good wife. Now, of course, it's okay to share with a close confidant or a pastor sometimes the failings of your spouse with the intention of having them pray with you that God would change their character traits. Let me just say something about abusive behavior. Many times, verbal abuse leads to physical abuse because when words can express, the hand goes into action. Unfortunately, I've seen this even in our church. If you experience any abusive behavior whatsoever in your dating relationship or even if you are married, whether it's of the verbal, emotional, physical, or sexual variety, get out of that relationship if you are dating. Find a period of separation for safety if you are married as quickly as you can because abusive behavior does not disappear over time. If anything, it will intensify 
Absolutely should a man never hit a woman for any reason, period. And because this is the 21st century, can I also say that absolutely should a woman never hit a man for any reason, period. One should feel 100% safe in the presence of the person with whom you are with. You have created a boundary of safety and security. And if that person doesn't give you that boundary, leave that relationship. The third boundary of a relationship, number three, is the boundary of holiness and purity. The boundary of holiness and purity. Look where we get this principle in verse 5 of chapter 2. Sustain me with cakes of raisin. Refresh me with apples, for I am lovesick. In the ancient Near East, raisin cakes and apples were considered to be an aphrodisiac. If you don't know what that word means, ask your parents. This woman is lovesick. She had so much passion, she is feeling nauseated. Can you imagine that? In the modern vernacular, we can say she is crazy with love. This woman wants to have intimacy with Solomon. It is a natural progression of her growing affection for him. Look at verse 6. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. Wow, you say, uh-oh. What they're doing is very inappropriate. They're not yet married. But remember, in the Hebrew, this is a request. This is not a declarative statement. And so it should be translated, May his left arm be under my head, and may his right hand embrace me. That is her desire there is a growing passion. She is anticipating sexual intimacy. And note that the Bible does not condemn this. There is nothing wrong with growing passion. That is part of God's wonderful design, His plan, His purpose. Now, where do you think we get these desires and passions? They come from God. They are a gift from God. And yet, He places a boundary on these desires. Look at the boundary in verse 7. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, note this, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. Do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. Now, we're not sure whether this is Solomon talking to friends or this woman talking to her girlfriends. But regardless, what both of them are saying is, it's not yet time. These growing emotions are not to be displayed physically, expressed physically. We have to wait a bit longer until after marriage. Do not awaken sexual passions before they can be rightfully expressed within the marriage relationship. The feeling is good. It's there. It's fantastic. But it's not yet time to express it. You know, I, I hope you will come to appreciate the book of Song of Solomon. Because it presents intimacy as something that is good. Something that is God-given. It, it's holy it's a gift from God intended for God's ordained moment at marriage. And so let me make this very clear for you if you don't still understand it. At no time in God's word is sexual intimacy apart from marriage considered honorable. It is never right or in keeping with God's plan apart from marriage. Young men and women who are single, it's marriage first and then sex after the marriage vows. And that's God's plan. No ifs, no buts, no ands, no what about this, no. 
Sex outside of marriage is labeled in the scriptures as fornication between two unmarried people and as adultery if one or both participants are married. And the Bible says both fornication and adultery, sex outside of the covenant of marriage, is wrong with consequences. As a young man or young woman set up today the boundary of holiness and purity, as a married couple intending to protect your marriage relationship, set up that boundary of holiness and purity. Do not ever cross these boundaries for your protection. And how you apply that, I hope you will think through. Singles, resound in your mind to follow that kindergarten adage that your teachers taught you. Keep your hands to yourself. It's a good rule. Women, don't allow men to touch you in certain places. And men, likewise, put the boundary of holiness and purity because if they choose and pressure you to cross that boundary, then they have also crossed the boundary of respect and honor. They do not honor you. They do not respect you. They just want something from you. And then be finished with it. And if they tell you, I'm not like the other guys. I'm not like the other girls. Look at all the single mothers in our country today. My heart goes out to them. But I know how men think. Married couples. Well, one more thing about the singles. Set the places that you will not go to if you are alone. Set the places that you don't want to go to a dark corner or to be in the house ever alone by yourself. Or, or go on vacation together if you're not yet married. Those moments will come. Do not awaken passions that are not to be expressed until after marriage. The vacation times will come and you will enjoy it much more without the guilt of knowing you're not supposed to do what you are doing. Set the boundary of holiness and purity. Married couples do the same. Set the boundaries of not having very close relationship with others that your spouse does not know about. They should know your friends. They should know who you go out with. Do not have as a best friend a person of the opposite gender. I've heard that. It always amazes me. When a guy tells me my best friend is a woman, how would that wife feel? It's a recipe for disaster. Allow each other to read cell phone messages, share with each other passwords, emails. There should be nothing to hide. You have complete confidence in each other. These are the boundaries you need to set up in your marriage relationship in this culture in the 21st century or else the evil one will attack your marriage relationship. It happens to people of all social economic levels. It happens to people of all levels of spirituality. But when you set the boundaries you are protecting the sanctity of your marriage relationship. And so I hope, after this message, you will go and examine your relationship to see if the love that is expressed is expressed with the drawn-out boundaries of respect and honor, of safety and security, of holiness and purity. Because this thing called love is about boundaries. For some of you, you think those boundaries are limiting. It's a trap for you, but it's not. And here is how it's pictured in my mind. It's a six-sided box. 
and you and your beloved are in this box. And this box is not there to trap you. It's to protect your relationship one to another from others. And on either side of this box is respect and honor. And on the other face is safety and security. And on the top and bottom of this box is holiness and purity. And this box, these walls, these sides that are built up are there so that nothing can come inside this box to shatter the relationship that God has so ordained. Set up those boundaries, I plead with you, so that your relationships can be a God-honoring one. Let's pray. Lord, it is good to be reminded vividly through your word about the areas of our life which we have left very vulnerable because we have not drawn out our boundaries and built the walls for protection. We depend upon our own self, and many of us fall into temptation. But Lord, I pray this morning for those who are still yet single and those who are married, that they would guard their hearts and guard their relationship to set forth a God-honoring, a Christ-honoring relationship by drawing a boundary of respect and honor and safety and security and holiness and purity which they will not cross for anyone because their first love is you. And to those who seek to cross those boundaries, I pray that in their hearts they would pull back because they know or should know that if they pressure or try to cross these boundaries, then not only are you not honored, but they are not respecting the one they profess their love to. Build up our relationships, build up the relationships that we have centered upon you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.